born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sings the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban mikum. Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, bringing to you Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our communities that have made a difference, are making a difference, and whose legacy will continue nourishing and flourishing our communities for generations to come, inshallah. With me this evening, Shabir Jacobs, uh, Abdul Muhaymin as well, manning the controls there. And uh, wherever you are, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. And thriving on the, the following win. I think everybody's as excited. I'm not sure more excited with the three dark arrows that Man United fans have been reeling into. But uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, sport aside, uh, more serious on the serious side of business this evening. Um, and yes, uh, you know, doing up a follow on, a follow on with uh, uh, Mr. Kashif Weekend. We had a fantastic time uh, uh, not too long back, and uh, we'd like to say welcome, Mr. Weekend. Assalamualaikum warahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's indeed uh, honourable, pleasurable, I guess, <laughs> out of having your honourable comrade in studio, if I may. And uh, um, yeah, inshallah, I hope the week's been good for you. Very good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Wonderful. So yes, uh, when we last, uh, where we last left off, we talked about. Uh, I think one of the important points that we latched on was about uh, um, activism starting from roots and some of the skills learned from organisations that a person, whether it was a law society society, whether it was the MSA, but those kind of nurtured you to what brought you to where you are today. Those little skills, personal skills, people skills, administrative skills, if you may, uh, kind of giving you that, mm. uh, you know, that push and uh, driving you to where you are today. Um, so we had a wonderful conversation back then. Our focus this evening, inshallah, to do with leadership as well is, you know, once you've done with academia, or supposedly so, you know, unless you teetering along masters and honours and so forth, um, which some people still have the courage to do so, you know, may Allah keep them strong. Um, now venturing to the next world, entering the corporate environment, you wanted to have a firm grip on practically all the streets of Hutton Hague, but it didn't, didn't quite go as planned. Mm. Let's take it from there. Okay, so um, I think when, when last we spoke, I, we left off at when I um, joined Arcus Engineering Consultants. Yes. Um, and, and then the effect that that had. Now, you know what is typical, Mohammed, is that when, when graduates mm-hmm. join the professional sector, when they're going to business, they get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And I think for a period of time, you focus on getting to the top of that aspect or that next phase of your life. Right. Until you have the German car and the second German car, mm. and if you're living in Cape Town, you move closer to the mountain. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think in as much as um, that needs to be a focus, um, that should not be mm-hmm. at the expense of the greater good of society. I think Allah Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the living example of how when whatever you do, you do with the interest of yourself, your family, and the greater good of humanity. Sure. So I think many professionals um, let go of that aspect. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the question is, how do you maintain it and what do you do to maintain it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, first of all, 
the ideal way is not to separate your activism, mm-hmm. your leadership, the impact that you have on society from your professional life, whatever that may be. Right. Now, Cape Town has got a rich history, and art is an history. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these buildings in the city were built, were, were built by people from this community. Yes. And the same artisans, the carpenters, the bricklayers, the painters, etc., would on a Saturday and a Sunday use that skill, that God-given skill that they had, and go on and and build the local masajid. Wonderful. Uh, go on and build the madrasa, and go on, in fact, and help the neighbors with a particular extension. And you'd know that uh, formerly in Cape Town, if you got married, the brides come the night before. There were fifteen people in a room fixing up everything. Sure. <laughs> and those were all the canala jobs. Yes. Yes. Now I think that particular spirit of canala mm-hmm. has as as lost has been lost somewhat mm-hmm. um, over the last decades or two. And I think one needs to reignite that. Surely. So I think, therefore, for example, if you are a lawyer, mm-hmm. there is no reason why you as a lawyer cannot set time aside in your practice to do pro bono or pro day work. In Absolutely. fact, I think it's key mm-hmm. that you do that. One, it is your duty to give back. Two, from a pure brand and sense marketing point of view, if you help somebody in need, that person will only speak good of you. And in turn, you don't know what other clients could come no surely so so again it's again that 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 merging of worlds Mm. if you do it with the proper near and the proper intention the catch though is that nowadays even in marketing there is a constant focus on incentive driven industries Mm. and like you mentioned you know um, a better rapport or future referrals from other clientele it's sad that we have to use this incentive to nurture that primary good in us to, you know, I have to set aside time yep. pro bono per day. You see, Mohammed, I think that, that uh, like myself, so we grew up, or I grew up in the 80s, um, and, and so you had that sense of community, mm-hmm. you had that sense of activism. I think people, especially youth who were born just post-1994, mm-hmm. the born freeze, which I don't, they're not born free yet, <laughs> um, there is this this great desire that the self is important firstly mm-hmm. there is this great need for immediate gratification and even in a whatsapp message you send the whatsapp message and you check we are the two blue ticks <laughs> and, true, either, yeah, and if the person hasn't responded within five minutes then you take it very personally <laughs> correct so so the sense of self gratification then spills over mm. into people's professional life so they they want to get to the top of uh, being the ceo being the managing partner being the boss without having gone through the stages of growth and the stages of development and when <coughs> and when they do that mm-hmm. they neglect the greater community yes. and that has always been Part of what I I tell people is that a a business person, a professional, must be one who's socially aware, Mm -hmm. must be one who's socially conscious, and must be one who has a deep desire Mm -hmm. to give back. And giving back doesn't have to be in a national organization. Mm -hmm. I think last week we spoke about the school governing body. Giving back starts there. Mm -hmm. Because what typically also happens, Mohammed, is that as people evolve, as the quality and standard of their life changes, becomes better, they they move out of their community. So they move into the leafy suburbs of Cape Town mm-hmm. and they become a stranger in that community. Right. Um, they become a stranger at the school um, and, and they visit us. Mm. And, 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 and this is where I urge people 
to participate. Yes. Not be a visitor. And in fact, start leading and taking the leadership role mm. in those organizations. That is very, very key for us as a community to install and to integrate and to put our brand of life, mm-hmm. our brand of giving back, our brand of Islam or our brand of religion yes. and, and propagate that amongst uh, uh, non-Muslim. Correct. I couldn't agree more. Now, th- there is a, a uh, you know, perturbing offset, so to say, on the flip side of things. Now, there are some people who tend to take this, um, you know, giving back and use it as self-reference to further enhance, you know, the status in society. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by this? Let's say a person was giving back for 30 odd years. You know, he becomes the dawn or he becomes the that recognized Buddha or that recognized uh, uh, doctor or politician or, you know, such that he, he doesn't even offer the respect. It command, he commands that respect wherever he goes that people ought to rever him. Such that if you're sitting there in the masjid or you're sitting there in this community or the civic center wanting to do your activism, you know, you kind of feel maybe not even threatened but uh, intimidated by their presence as opposed to kind of bridging that gap, bringing, bringing them closer and ensuring where, where are we going wrong? What are we not doing? Or what are we overdoing that's causing this type of issue? You know, Muhammad, I, th- I think people have become very selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people become very threatened. Um, you know, when I was in the Black Management Forum, when I joined him in the late 90s, early 2000s, amongst my African brother, uh, brothers and sisters, the compatriots, they had this thing that your status in the BMF mm-hmm. and your status in society then mm-hmm. was based on who you were and who your mentor was. Okay. So if I said at the time that my mentor mm-hmm. was Lotten Lovo, who was a doyen of, of black economic empowerment and transformation in the corporate sector, that was my stamp of approval. Because if Lot was able to give and sacrifice and, and build me mm. as his mentee, right. that means that he saw something in me. Correct. And that reawoken or awoken something in me because in our, or rather where I come from, mm-hmm. You never wanted to show that you don't know something. Yes. You never wanted to show that you were weak mm-hmm. or that you were less informed than Muhammad. Yes. So you'd never go to him for mm. guidance. And this is what changed my mindset. There is nothing wrong with going to this person who's 30 odd years more experienced than you in a particular sector. Yes. And go him, go to him and approach him and say, listen here, uncle, Buddha, doctor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Please can I come spend an hour a week, an hour a month with you, mm-hmm. and just give you my thoughts, and you can give me feedback. Right, and that bridges the gap. Mm. So I think in our community, mm-hmm. in this community to which this radio station broadcasts to, we must encourage the mentor-mentee relationship. Mm. That transfer of skills, mm-hmm. experience, and expertise will then take place. And let me tell you, I've been a mentor mm-hmm. to people. I've been a mentee for years, and I've been a mentor. And what's in it for the mentor? Right. Because you always speak about the return on investment. <laughs> yes. What's in it for the mentor? Uh-huh. That person that you've identified when you're 45 and you've adi- and this young 30-year-old comes to you. In 15 years' time, when you are close to retirement at 60, mm-hmm. and this young man, male or female, is at the top of the game, mm-hmm. would be about the same time when your son or daughter is graduating. Correct. And you can pick up the phone and say, Mr. X, you know, I'm not asking <laughs> to do me a favor, but... Here's my son and daughter. Right. So as this full circle and giving back. So mm. in giving back, and if you do it with pure intention, if your niya is strong, mm-hmm. then 
everything will come together. Absolutely. On that note, uh, let's head to the marketplace. We'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked on 91.3 FM. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands vote for change. My tongue sing the sorrow. Three minutes past the hour of seven in the PM. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, and welcome back with me this evening, uh, Mr. Kashif Wickham. And uh, yes, uh, going through a little bit of journey into his life with some uh, analysis in between, bringing about uh, the modern context. I think you know when when you are on a similar page of understanding, uh, the conversation always fluctuates into different different things. But yes, we have to bring uh, come back to a focus, and uh, uh, the focus indeed is uh, you know uh, uh, the life journey then onwards. So. You know the 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 BLF was what you were part of mentor mentee relationship, absolutely vital in um, in leadership. Tell us a little bit about the the details about the mentor mentee relationship. Um, what in as a mentee, what were some of the valuable experiences you gained, and how did it reflect later on as a mentor? So my mentor in the early two thousands, my business mentor was um, Iqbal Surbe. Oh, um, interesting, Doctor Ibasuve. Doctor Ibasuve. Yes, uh, I'm not dropping names. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and part of, for example, the relationship was I remember clearly one day um, I had to go into a tough negotiation around a particular issue, um, and I called him the evening, mm-hmm. and I said, "This is what I'm going to go into. What's your advice?" And he gave me his opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into the negotiations, and I asked for a break, and I called him. I said, "Okay, now." What's Things have the changed somewhat. <laughs> this is now where we are. Right. Um, and he advised. Uh-huh. And in, in in that, for example, that particular example, he right. said, look, I'm going to make myself available. Your meeting is between 10 and 12. Right. And you call me right. if you need to. Uh-huh. And and that then is the, the selflessness of, mm. of Iqbal at the time. And how did it benefit me? Mm-hmm. I now had access to a person who's however more senior he is than me with mm-hmm. the wealth of experience that he had. Right. Um, who gave me input in a particular situation. So that was the benefit of the mentee. Mm. I mean, I know some people in the black management forum who started to dress Mm-hmm. Like the mentors, they started to, uh, they were non Muslim, they started to drink the whiskeys <laughs> that their mentor was drinking. Sure, to you that, know, they, to following yeah. the Sunnah to that, to, to that fine to that detail. detail. <laughs> to that fine detail. And they would share books. At the time, this was before WhatsApps, uh-huh. they, the mentor would say, I'm reading this book. Or I write what I like. Sure. And, and buy the mentee a copy, and then you'd ask like random questions. What do you think of. Paragraph three of page twenty one. Now you better would have read, should have read. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so there was that reciprocal relationship, mm-hmm. and I think then what I leave, want to leave behind in this particular message mm. is for our community to put your pride in your pocket if you are young, right? Um, acknowledge that you don't know everything, mm-hmm. like Mola Nixan and Al Marhum did with the MJC, um, and then. Take the have the courage and identify somebody that would be your mentor. Right. What I would encourage those senior person in our community is take the time mm. to develop people mm-hmm. to to so that you can leave your legacy behind beyond your children. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't do that, mm-hmm. who's going to take on the struggle? Yes. That you've identified. Who's going to take on 
the struggles that Kashif we confound important. If Kashif mm-hmm. doesn't inculcate that in in people younger than mm-hmm. him, so I think it's very key that mentors, senior persons, make mm-hmm. themselves available. Very key that younger people, the mentees, acknowledge what their shortcomings are and admit. To the fact that they need people more senior than them to guide them on issues. Couldn't agree more. There are stark differences between, you know, the um, response and the output of activism back then. It was quite slow, sustained before, and, you know, a significant impact or the significant effect came into being. Mm. That is post-apartheid. Mm. And nowadays, with the Constitution in our favor to an extent, democracy on our side, there is this precipitant of, uh, you know, like you alluded to earlier on, of instant gratification. Mm. We want to see the results now and now, mm. minus all the steps of climbing up that ladder. Where is this taking us? Nowhere from here. Nowhere. It's taking us nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, you'd know that, that, that last week we spoke about my political activism. Yes. And we spoke about the organ, the political party that I support and, and work closely with. Mm-hmm. So we have elections, so I'll make again a practical example. We have uh, national elections in May of next year, inshallah, mm-hmm. to be announced. Now, campaigning at, with all political parties cannot start in May. Mm-hmm. It cannot start in April. Right. It needs to have started already. Mm. So, for example, within the African National Congress, we started our election campaign in the Western Cape three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. And you've got to build up to that. Right. So to get to your immediate gratification issue, you've got to build up to that. There are house meetings, there are what we call LET meetings, um, there are campaigns daily and weekly and monthly in the mm-hmm. build up to that campaign. Right. Now, to somebody who's young, who wants immediate gratification, they're going to why are you starting 10 months before the time? Mm. If you look at, um, again, if you take it beyond that, if you look at um, President Ramaphosa last week, Friday, he announced this basket of financial interventions yes. to stimulate the country's economy. Mm. And he spoke about a 400 billion rand infrastructure development plan. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not going to get spent in the next 10 months mm-hmm. that's a midterm objective so that will get spent over the next three to four years mm-hmm. and again even from the state's point of view everything that you do needs to be planned right you set your objective four years hence mm-hmm. and then you work your way back right and i think this is where young people and even adults mm-hmm. don't have that that that, that vision mm. of preparing for the short medium and long term and obviously one needs to have immediate wins right. for the personal satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But you need to have medium and long-term goals, both in your personal life, your professional life, and in your activist life. Especially where we're living in a society where this immediate gratification has encompassed us um, from all fronts. Mm, no, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, planning is essential in absolutely everything. You can't you can't come into an election front and you're kind of, you know, meddling about or uh, still trying to figure out in-house party stories and things like that. You've got to have your ducks in a row, I mm, guess. Mm. Um, that's on the political front. Now... The, in leadership itself, politics has a great role, I would imagine, in your life, personally, per se. Um, did you have any political mentors? Or at least, you know, that were uh, sitting on your case, per se, from, from the time you were involved in it? I can't think of any. There's one particular person, Al-Marhum, um, uh, Zain Ari. Okay. Now, Zain is... Uh, now, I, I didn't think about this, so I'm answering completely off the top of my head. <laughs> right. Um, Zain 
Zain wasn't a politician like me, mm-hmm. wasn't involved in political office, but was very key mm-hmm. to the fabric of the West Cape and unselfishly served our country and its people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zain was one of those. I think in the Western Cape, we are very blessed. In fact, not in the Western Cape, in South Africa, we are very blessed to have somebody from the shores of Cape Town, from Primrose Park, in the form of uh, Ambassador Ibrahim Rasul. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we have in Comrade Ibi a, a politician who's grounded in his Islamic beliefs, a politi- politician who based his decisions on Islamic beliefs, the Quran and the Sunnah, and a politician who very comfortably can address a mass meeting at the same time mm-hmm. to a Juma talk every Friday. Yes. Um, and I think then those probably would be some of the the mentors mm, that you've um, managed that, to that, uh, or people that, that take guidance from. Absolutely. We have mm-hmm. in the Western Cape, we have Cameron Dugmore. Mm-hmm. Now, Cameron is of the Caucasian persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> My whitey comrade <laughs> Cameron joined the struggle in the 80s Wow um, I remember at UCT It would be raining And Cameron would be one That one guy toy toying in the rain um, Against against the party Then Cameron still serves the country Unselfishly mm. um, With no Great desire for, na- for financial reward mm-hmm. So that would be another example um, I think in the Western Cape If you go back We have Oscar and Peter mm. We just spoke about Imam Imam Harun, Imam wow. Harun, who sacrificed his life absolutely um, for us. So, so, so when we speak about leaders, they don't have to be alive. Um, I, I'm obsessed with reading biographies, so I read biographies also <coughs> to find inspiration, both in business, um, in politics, and spiritual. And of course, uh, as I said, in terms of of my spiritual command in chief, as I call him, um, I found Moran Ehsan Hendricks to be a great inspiration. When it came when it came to teaching and propagating a humanitarian Islam, a progressive Islam, a revolutionary Islam, and an activist Islam, mm-hmm. and basing all of that on Hadith and Sunnah. Wonderful. Um, okay, so there comes in a message. Although our lines are absolutely open, but yes, we definitely uh, welcome them. Assalamu uh, alaikum. I hear Mr. Wickham is talking about Zain Ari. Is it perchance the person from Surya State? Yes, it is. Okay, so yes, that's the one we have identified. Shukran for tuning in, uh, our beloved listeners out there. So, uh, political activism, still engaged, still involved. And from how I conceptualize it, it's not a, you know, sit in retirement. It's a lifelong struggle. Look, I, I, I think, you know, your profession, because you spend most of your time in your profession, mm-hmm. you must massage that it benefits society at large. Mm. If it doesn't, if your profession doesn't serve, then you must make it serve. Correct. Um, I think I'll be an activist all my life to my wife Elam's uh, detriment. <laughs> um, but that's what I am. Right. And of course... People, other people have other focuses, and I, and I always say that that not everybody must be a Muhammad or a Kashif. There's mm-hmm. a role for all of us to play. Correct. Um, so my my the message that I have is that if you are not <coughs> an activist, at least contribute. Our our religion of Islam, our culture which we practice in the Cape, is one of the extended family, mm-hmm. the extended community. And and in this, and and that was our foundation, right? But if one were to critically analyze where we are at right now in the Western Cape, then then uh, that is being eroded 
very 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 slowly mm. for example how many of us are supporting the gentrification campaign correct in book up yes how many of us are assisting the state in combating crime and gangsterism mm-hmm. in our working class areas now where we have come mm-hmm. we've become so lazy as a society as a country and as a community that the issue of gentrification that we leave to the people of Bukap, mm. the issue of fighting crime that we leave to the South African police services. Yes. You know, Muhammad, I attended a, a what we call an LET, which is a local, a local election task meeting in Alsis River mm-hmm. two Mondays ago at 7 o'clock. And the community leaders who came there, the one guy in passing said, you know, his petrol, petrol budget, you, I think he said it was 600 rand for the week. Right. He now had to drive from his home to this meeting mm-hmm. which was unbudgeted in terms of his kilometers mm-hmm. but he doesn't mind on Friday he'll take a bus if he runs out of petrol sure. now this is the level of commitment mm. that we want our people to have because only through that mm-hmm. will we combat these issues because of we speaking about crime and gangsterism so the other message that I want to have is that it is not the duty of the state to combat unemployment alone mm. it is not the duty of the state to look after the homeless. It is not the duty of the state to sort out the issues of gentrification. Yes. We, together with the state, mm-hmm. must support that. On the issue of Palestine, mm-hmm. as an example, people will say that the African National Congress speaks with forked tongue. Mm-hmm. People will say that the African National Congress, the ruling party, says X, but then on the other end, or a week or a day later, they do something differently. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, if you want the ruling party, who happens to be the African National Congress, to take a firmer view on, let's say, Palestine, mm. to take a tougher view on gangsterism, what are you doing to assist them? And, and I'm not talking only about marching in the street. Yeah. But what are you doing to support them in their plight and in their fight? To fight uh, Zionism, absolutely, in the and in the fight to fight um, gentrification, absolutely. You know, Kashi, if I couldn't agree more, um, I'll, I'll, I just want to share this one example. About uh, two Jumas ago, at uh, the Tigerberg campus, we had a Molana that came from a particular working class community, mm. and you know, he, he he where gangsterism, violence, drugs is quite the norm in that particular area, and from the member, he made an appeal for student volunteers to contribute either time, either some perishables, either something to the community. And he made this profound statement which you are making now. I mean, you know, people think that we all about talk from the member only. But he says that uh, how, for how much longer are we just going to march in the streets? Mm. And he's taking a proactive stance in ensuring that he reaches out to the more leafier communities and pulling them through areas where their help is most needed. Hmm. And he's not a politician. He's not a primary activist that is recognized per se. He is an alim looking at his community. And I take inspiration from such people. And what was the response like? The response was like people were looking initially. And subhanAllah, literally, that became the outreach project a week later. You know, it was like, hey, you know what? We were looking for an orphanage. We were looking at this. But Allah kind of sent us something that we can look into. So if we don't tap into, we don't come out of our cocoons and we don't cross that bridge together, it's good enough to say that the ANC or the DA or whatever political party is doing X, Y, Z or not doing X, Y, Z. But I mean, 
us as social media commentators, mm. I think that is what's holding us back. You know, you can share a video and make it go viral about mm. X, Y, and Z. Mm. But if you yourself are not doing something about it, I tell people all the time, preserve your comments. You, you know what, uh, Muhammad? Our, our constitution is a very robust constitution mm-hmm. and one of the best globally and our public participation process is excellent mm-hmm. now no law in south africa gets passed without there being an opportunity for the man in the street to comment mm-hmm. and influence what that law should look like before it gets promulgated. They speak about a white paper and a green paper mm-hmm. and a bill until it becomes an act mm-hmm. signed off by the president of the country. Now, where we get it wrong as activists, mm-hmm. and this is specifically on the Palestinian issue as an example, mm-hmm. we march to parliament, mm-hmm. and I'm involved with very many of those marches. Uh, we deliver a memorandum and somebody signs it. But what do we do? After that, yes. How do we lobby? Mm. And this is where we can learn from our our friends mm-hmm. uh, in the Zionist Zionist frontier. Mm. They know how to lobby, right? So, so what we need to do mm-hmm. as as community leaders that we the take the the current water um, crisis. Rates, mm. the crisis. What must I do to raise my objection? Mm-hmm. Get to understand. The bylaws of the city of Cape Town get mm-hmm. to understand the laws of the country and say, okay, now if I want South Africa to not buy goods mm-hmm. made in Israel, mm-hmm. as an example, what must I do to enforce that? Right. And what do I do? Mm-hmm. And this is also where we get it wrong. What do I do to that leader, Alim political or community leader mm-hmm. who takes up my cause? Mm-hmm. How do I support him? Correct. Because what typically happens mm-hmm. if you are a leader? And you take on a contentious issue. If they clap you, whoever <laughs> they may be, right. and you look around, then stand J. Correct. Ali means what he said, Fatum Ankashi, Fatum But when you do it, oh, wow. and you face the backlash, <laughs> and you look around, and you're the only one there, then everybody's quiet. Correct. So, what we need to do, we need mm-hmm. to have courage of our convictions. Um, we are all not leaders, leaders, but we all have causes, and we all have particular views on particular issues. But those views might not be stuff that you discuss over a sister on a Sunday or over yep. a braai. You must take firm positions on that because if you don't, mm-hmm. who else is going to do it? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And uh, before we touch down, okay, let's let's uh, respect our space at this time uh, and uh, let's head to the marketplace as we are, uh, uh, you know, postponing our, our bills. But let's pay them and we'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked. Born to serve. My Welcome back, respected listeners. Yes, my name is Muhammad Sheikh. With me is Mr. Kashif Wickham. And uh, we are talking across the ball. We are talking politics. We are talking leadership. But most of all, learning lessons. Uh, we latched a little bit onto mentor-mentee relationships, the importance of that. And, uh, you know, we, we spread on um, thereafter in terms of uh, activism, some of the current day issues such as instant gratification. You want things to happen on the spur of the moment without actually climbing that ladder to success. And some of the things that we can learn 
from the people that have come before us um, how they nurtured success by taking it patiently one step at a time. And uh, yes, so Mr. Kashif, um, one of the other things that we need to, you know, in democracy that we kind of... Um, at any given juncture, it, it reels back into, you know, this topic of racism and uh, where we can use it as a card to just flash around at any given opportune moment, people do so. And I think um, it's not taking us any any closer to, you know, diversity. It's actually pulling us back because we want to use that card all the time. But there can be values and there can be principles that we can learn from each other. Um, a very silly example of inclusivity, integration, of diversity. I mean, Akni is a famous tradition shared in India, shared in Durban, for goodness sake. But it's a staple in Cape Town as well. Yep. You know, so um, th- that's what we've got to nurture too, mm. don't you think? I think, yes. I, thi- I think, Muhammad, there is strength mm-hmm. in our diversity. And there will only be strength in our diversity if we, if we start to respect our diversity, mm-hmm. celebrate our commonality, and respect our differences. Mm. Now, for example, if we speak about commonality, um, if you look at Islam, mm-hmm. We have the when 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 our daughters get married, we we give the dowry, mm-hmm. the mayor, the the maskabi as yes. you say in Cape Town, and that money goes to the the, the wife. Yeah, the husband gives it to the wife. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the African culture, the labola, mm. and and they also give labola, and that's Correct. a negotiation, of course. And I don't know if people understand how that process of negotiation takes place. It's it's two three visits. Yes, yes. And the the the, the uncles and the elders get sent. Mm. And they negotiate. And when they speak about cows and they say 20 cows, they don't bring 20 cows any longer. Right. In right. fact, what, now they start negotiating the value of a cow. Okay. So they'll say we'll put the value of a cow at 3,000 per cow. Mm-hmm. So 20 cows are 60,000 and cash on the table. Mm-hmm. And that goes to the father. Right. Right. So so, so that's the commonality mm-hmm. um, uh, that, that we must celebrate. Mm. If you look at the Afrikaner community, right. again, vis-a-vis the Muslim community or our culture, Strong sense of family, mm. very very strong sense of family, strong sense of respect. Mm-hmm. Now, in the break, I told you, asked me now, what's my day job? Right. Uh, my day job is I'm a director of a Denko Construction, uh, which is the second largest, fifth biggest electrical contract in the country. But started by an Afrikaner called Best Besaynot. Okay. From his garage, um, and Best built that company to where it is now. But mm-hmm. Best had the vision or knew. That he needed to transform that business and needed to become black owned and need to have black shareholders and black directors and instep Kashif and, mm-hmm. and others. Um, and when I walked in there, mm-hmm. they called me Um Kashif. Oh. And they, they, some of them still call me Um Kashif. <laughs> right. And those are guys who are five years, six years, seven years younger than me. And that's the level of respect. Okay. Um, for example, that I, that the Afrikaners have. Mm-hmm. And in order to understand the Afrikaner culture, and I grew up in Jutnik, so I had a, a very good understanding of it. Right, right. I took the time and trouble mm-hmm. to understand Afrikaner culture. Mm-hmm. The Afrikaner culture or, or nationality, I mean, there's strong sense of Afrikaans as a language. Right. Why Correct. do they take it so personally that you want to speak to them in English? Speak to them in English or that uh, University of Stellenbosch must remain Afrikaans University. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I agree with a particular political position. Right. But one must understand mm-hmm. what that is. Yes. At, at the, the Afrikaans language has got bound that community together. 
And in fact, when I told him that, by the way, this Afrikaans is a that you listen to now. The first book in Afrikaans was described here in Malayer. Correct. As they call it. Yes. The first documented book was written in Arabic mm-hmm. with Afrikaans. And they didn't know that. Now, through that engagements with myself, yeah. they've now started to respect and understand um, the Muslim community. Half past 12, they told me, I'm not going to go to the bring some Musas afterwards, which is another big incentive. Well, of course, I mean, you're getting bread butter on both sides, getting most time with your post Juma meal. I yeah, mean, yeah, uh, yeah. why not? <laughs> so, so as, as that level of respect. Right. And that level of respect that there, that happens in between the different race groups, mm. the different cultural groups, will only start to happen if you integrate right. and start to respect. Um, I must tell you a story. I remember my wife, Ilam, still reminds me of my, my daughters, daughter, Hanan, San Kian, and Niao, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. A very dear friend of mine had survived an accident and he had a Thanksgiving uh, African black guy, mm-hmm. um, Lindikaya. At his home in Pat, um, in Patikrof, and he mm-hmm. slaughtered the sheep. Right. At his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SP said didn't come on, but he slaughtered the sheep, and we were the only non African people there, Muslim people there, in fact. Right. And my wife had to go sit like, they also, by the way, separation of the sexes, eh? Oh, wow. Interesting. Men sit one side, and the females would Females sit one side, but then you break it on further. If you're not married, then you. <laughs> like, if you're 20 odd and you're married, you're not married, you can't sit, come sit with us. Right, right. And, and the men get the meat first. <laughs> <laughs> and then the women get the meat second. So can you see the similarities? Uh, right. And Elam Shuki said, Gosh, if I said, Where are you putting us in now? <laughs> My kids, of course, uh, they were none, none of us. They were up and about and right, playing right. with the sheep and uh, going about yeah, it yeah. the whole trip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, then also, also, if you look at, and if you look at again, Almarhu uh, Marnek San Hendrix, mm. and how he celebrated. The rich tapestry of his family. Co heritage, yes. Yeah, you know, you remember we said last week, Marnechsan's father was a revert at 12. Mm-hmm. His mother was a revert when his father, Butasali, married uh, his mother. And she was the only daughter of the local priest in Worcester. Yes. Um, and, and he celebrated that diversity. Embraced that diversity, mm-hmm. whereas what happens in in Cape Town, you know, people who revert to be to Islam become Muslims in the slums, <laughs> and they True. almost want, and they almost want to forget mm. their Christian background. The message here is that we must acknowledge that we come from diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We must acknowledge that even as as so-called uh, coloreds. Mm-hmm. We don't only have German blood, which is what people want to do. We celebrate. We've got Khoisan blood, we've got African black blood, and we've got white blood. Correct. And we must celebrate all of that within us. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I think that the diversity, you know, it's... Um we look for opportunities to do that. If 1995 World Cup wasn't one of them, um, as time goes by, and I hope and I pray not that, you know, we, we become more distant than we ought to be based on pulling out a card all the time because, you know what, um, it is definitely white privilege. If we don't engage with them often enough, and yes, at times it stares you blank in the face. You know when there's white superiority. You can see it. It's blatant. Mm. But there are other times you need to you need to look at both sides of the fence. You can't objectively live your life thinking that you are still subdued and white privilege is the norm. How are you able to protest? How are you mm. able to even do anything mm. if that's your mindset and mm. that's your total goal? Mm. So, um, uh, like like we say, like people always say, you know, it's the um, unlearning of um, uh, what happened before it's the relearning it's the decolonization time that we are looking forward to and looking forward to engaging in but at the same time 
keep in mind we have those shared values and principles. I believe we have to head to the marketplace again, Shabir, and we'll resume shortly for our final few minutes when we get back. Stay tuned. Born to serve. My eyes Welcome back, respected listeners. Yes, a few minutes uh, until the waqt of Aisha and shukran for tuning in. It's been a beautiful, productive program. I like engaging. I like talking leadership. That's also uh, one of my passions, I would imagine. Um, and something that, you know, we ought to embrace. We want to contribute. And I guess uh, radio programming is one of them as well. Like Kashif said, we uh, we bring about different fingers to the hand in making a difference to society. Now, Mr. Kashif Wickham is involved in something um, very interesting in relation to giving back. Like he's been talking about it. Now it's the time to put him into the spot and see. You know, are we are we not just talking the talk? And I'm being very cheeky here. You know, especially with the politicians. Are we walking the walk as well, Mr. Kashif? So, yes, Muhammad. Um, I've I think I've been giving back all my life. Um, but about five years ago, we started an organization called the Progressive. Professionals Forum, the PPF. Mm-hmm. Now, the PPF differs from other professional bodies in in two major ways. Right. One is that we we not developmental in nature, mm-hmm. so you don't join the PPF to become a better manager, a better lawyer, a better accountant, a better entrepreneur. Um, you join the PPF because you want to give back. Right. So you've you've got a particular skill set, you've got a particular expertise and experience, and you want to give back. Um, the second differentiator between the PPF is that we support the ruling party. Mm-hmm. We believe that the state requires a firm partnership between the public and the private sector. Correct. Like I've said earlier, um, we can't leave it up to SAPs, police services, to combat crime and gangsterism yes. alone. We need to ask ourselves, now, now part, for example, if we take crime, mm-hmm. um, people get arrested. But in many, or rather gangsters, or criminals get arrested, but in many instances, the judicial system, um, the the um, state prosecutor working on it, they're working on it, so overloaded that the person gets released because he, they haven't proven beyond reasonable doubt. Correct. So how can you, as a paralegal, as an, as an attorney, as an activist, how can you go about assisting the state mm. in ensuring that the arrest that they do make has got a, a better chance of success than others. I mean, that's one example. Correct. The second one is, for example, on the issue of, you take the mining charter. Mm-hmm. If you have a particular view on the mining charter, um, as, a, as somebody who works in the mines, how do you convince the state that it needs to be a lot more progressive, progressive and you take a strong view on a particular issue? And this is where the PPF came in. Right. So the PPF partners, partnered and partners with the state, with government, mm-hmm. all levels of government, and look at how we can assist the state in achieving its objectives. Wonderful. We also ensure that one has a robust uh, democracy mm-hmm. in form of, of the election. So we assist in campaigning. Okay. Now, a couple of years ago, um, in 1995, I did vote education. And mm-hmm. in, in 1995, we had to teach people how to vote. I mean, right. that, that's the basis. This is the X. That's the face of the leader, and those are the colors of the flag for those people who are illiterate. Mm-hmm. 20 odd years on, we now need to educate people on how do you look 
pass mm-hmm. the the promises of politicians wow how do you ensure that you measure the success or you measure a political party by its successes mm. to date definitely mm-hmm. yeah I think that's uh, good. Good messages coming through, and uh, uh, perhaps at another juncture, maybe on our program on Sunday Live, we can pick up on some more objectives of the PPF. But for now, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, Mr. Wickham, and uh, Shukran for sharing your insights, your analysis, uh, some part of your personal journey. And uh, we can only hope that uh, the sheep that you slaughtered that day was purely halal. <laughs> We're not going to question more than that. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Shukran to Shabir Jacobs, Abdul Mohamin for being uh, manning the controls there, inshallah. Until Qur'an Qur'an later on this evening, as well as uh, if you have to be out and about, uh, please, please keep safe, keep well, uh, keep your game up, inshallah, in contributing to community. And that's the message from Born to Serve for this evening. Uh, I leave you in the protection of Allah. Fi amanillah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.